the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. A good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, it's the 16th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being here. So they're going after Tucker Carlson now. And in so doing, they're going after something that is very, very dear to me. And that is the freedom of speech. Freedom of speech has been under attack in this country, as you know, for some time now. Um, It has always been challenged almost exclusively by those on the political left. But very specifically, it's been challenged um, when you are a conservative-minded individual. It's being challenged online. It's being taken away from you online. If you don't don't regurgitate the leftist orthodoxy and their talking points, if you challenge things, even if you have proof, even if you have science, even if you have all of the evidence that you need to uh, support your, your views, you can be challenged because it, well, it damages the credibility and the agenda of of the American left. But when it comes, that's everyday folks, when it comes to public figures, when it comes to the highest rated, and make no mistake about it, this has a definite, definite, is a definite factor in their targeting of Tucker Carlson. He's the highest rated cable news host in the world. When it comes to cable news, there's Tucker Carlson, and then there's like, you know, and and, and then there's a few other Fox shows. And I think the first time that any MSNBC or CNN show cracks the top, I want to say, the top ten, I want to say it's like number seven in the primetime ratings, and that's the Rachel Maddow show, and she's not even on right now. But um, make no mistake about it, Tucker Carlson is... From a rating standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, just the the monster that they need to slay. And there is some of that in this. But it's more than just that. I really believe it's more than just that. 
Um, they're attacking Tucker Carlson's right to speak because of what his feelings have been with respect to uh, the, the situation in Ukraine. Tucker Carlson is really, really strongly trying to say we better take a chill pill. We need to calm down a little bit. We cannot be talking about going into a war against Russia over Ukraine when there are so many issues that we have to deal with here. The war hawks. Now, I, by the way, typically speaking, I don't always agree with Tucker Carlson on foreign policy. Same thing with Rand Paul. As much as I admire him and support him and probably 95% of the things that he stands for, I disagree with him on foreign policy. These people are getting to be more and more isolationist in their in their philosophy and i have a problem with that i think there are things not that we need to be the world's police but i think there are things that happen around the world that will impact us whether they appear to at the outset or not and these are things that we need to make a very strong show of and we need to be very very direct and directly involved in Maybe not necessarily militarily, not necessarily with an air force or with a ground, uh, you know, with a ground invasion or or anything of that nature, boots on the ground. But there are things that I think I disagree with with Tucker Carlson on as it pertains to these kinds of things. However, to call for his arrest, to call. His comments saying, I think we should step back a little bit away from the Russian propaganda. By the way, don't forget, Ukraine and Ukraine's leadership isn't exactly, you know, uh, you know, the Virgin Mary when it comes to virtue and sin and, uh, and being without sin, because they're not. You know, Ukrainian leadership is not exactly as, as, transparent i guess as they would like you to believe here is the president of ukraine president zelensky he's got his fatigues on he's ready to fight he's ready to battle he's saying all the right things by the way he's meeting with the u.s congress he's talking with the u.s congress today to make a direct appeal for more support not just financially either but it's not as simple as it sounds and tucker carlson is pointing things out and because tucker carlson is pointing these things out he's being called an asset of russia he's being called a russian tool a propagandist, a, 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 a stooge of Vladimir Putin. And they're trying to silence him. They're calling for his uh, being charged with treason. They're calling for his arrest or stopping just shy of it. And that, my friends, is a concern that you should have and I should have and we should all have. Because now we are talking about literal free speech rights being deprived. A lot of people on the left will say, well, it's not really violating your free speech rights if they won't let you fly on an airplane with a mask on that they don't like or with a message because that's not the government i had some by the way an attorney called this show and said actually it is because um the uh, airlines are act, acting in coordination and collaboration with the FAA, faa which is the government but the point being that private businesses can disallow services to people as long uh, if they want to as long as it doesn't violate the civil rights uh, uh, act and you know, it's not based on race or based on uh, ethnicity or based on sexual orientation, but they can violate your rights based on political affiliation. So what they say is that, you know, you can't call that a real true denial of free speech rights because it's not the government. Well, now it is. When you got Claire McCaskill, former uh, uh, a senator from New Jersey, on MSNBC or CNN or wherever it was talking about charging Tucker Carlson, when you have when you have literal and legitimate either past or present government figures talk about arresting or talk about uh, uh, charging uh, 
professional broadcasters for opinions and viewpoints that differ from their own. Now we have a legitimate free speech issue. And it's something I think we need to respond to. So I want to talk about that with you this morning, along with a lot of other things. We've got a couple of very important guests coming up, too, which I will tell you about after we do our Pledge of Allegiance. So, patriots, if you would, please rise. Face the flag that you have near you if you have one. If you don't, that's all right. Imagine one in your mind's eye and put your hand on your heart and join us for the pledge. Brandon voters, we know where you stand, and it's not with those of us who are standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. If you do not believe that which that flag stands for, then uh, go ahead and take your knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I want you to hear just a little bit of uh, what we are talking about. When we talk about uh, the left going off the rails, this is um, this is Malcolm Nance on MSNBC. Now, again, he's speaking with Joy Reid. And again, MSNBC has a very vested interest in trying to take apart people like Tucker Carlson because he's destroying them in the ratings and thus in the revenue. Things for Tucker Carlson, it's pretty clear he is MAGA world, and anything that you know that helps Donald Trump out, whether it means turning against the United States, collaborating with another country's propaganda machine, so- turning against the United States, collaborating with the Russian propaganda machine. Because he doesn't want to go to war with Russia. That's how that's being characterized. As long as it gets him the adoration of MAGA world, he will do it. I don't know if he really loves Vladimir Putin, but I have to do. I have to clarify one thing, Joy. These people are not useful idiots. They are beyond useful idiots. Useful idiots don't know as a term of art in the intelligence world. They don't really know what they're doing. They're just stupid. These people are almost collaborators to a certain extent they do know what they're doing i would call them an asset especially tucker carlson uh and and tulsi gabbard she's just a moron but for these people to come up there we are now seeing a term that i never thought i'd see in my life fifth columnist people who are deliberately working to undermine the american structure People working to deliberately undermine the American structure because they have a different opinion than yours about exactly how much involvement we should have in a foreign war. Now, again, I am not necessarily of the opinion that we should be isolationist here. But Tucker Carlson, if he wants to be isolationist and to express his opinion, that is exactly what the the First Amendment and the Constitution of the United States allows him to do. And for people to call this, you know, tre- treasonous or to call this, uh, uh, you know, aiding and abetting an enemy, uh, calling him an asset to the Russian propaganda machine and so forth is just beyond the pale. Here's former Democrat Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill. I think um, Zelensky not only needs to emotionally capture 
how important our support is and how he's depending on our military, as was referenced in the Pentagon briefing today, to get these munitions to them very, very quickly. Uh, no question that Russia is, has to be struggling with a munition stockpile now, and clearly Ukraine needs the billions of dollars that we have now uh, passed in military support for their efforts, particularly uh, those specific weapons programs that can take out uh, the kind of missiles that are indiscriminately tanks and missiles that are bombing these civilian uh, targets. I think he also needs to warn America about allowing Putin to use them for his propaganda. And I particularly hope he mentions the false flag about biological weapons in Ukraine uh, so that all the Republicans hear that Tucker Carlson and others are really uh, really close to treason in terms of what they're saying and parroting uh, what is, is, is Putin's dream, that he could have American media spreading his propaganda in the middle of his murderous assault on innocent children uh, and civilians in Ukraine. So that's Claire McCaskill literally saying that Tucker Carlson is approaching treason for having an opinion that we shouldn't necessarily go in there with guns ablazing and taking on the Russian military and patrolling a no-fly zone uh, and putting American lives in jeopardy. That that apparently is pushing treason, pushing the line of treason. And that parroting Russian talking points is Putin's dream. You know what Putin's dream is? Claire, and Malcolm, and Joy, and Whoopi. You know what Putin's dream is? Putin's dream is to have another weak, feckless, pathetic American president like he had when Barack Obama was there. And he was able to annex the Crimean Peninsula without Obama doing a single thing about it. And guess what? His dream came true in the form of Joe Biden. You know what Vladimir Putin did not dream of? Vladimir Putin did not dream of a strong American president who, who literally professed that strength and that unpredictability the way that Donald Trump did, making Vladimir Putin think not just once nor twice, but three, four, five different times before thinking, yeah, maybe this isn't the guy to trifle with. I don't know what he's going to do if I go into Ukraine full on. Not the peninsula, but if I go full on into Ukraine to try to take it over, I don't know what that's guy, that guy's going to do. And that kept him at bay. That's Putin's dream. Claire, what Tucker Carlson is doing, and by the way, this thing about bioweapons, Tulsi Gabbard never once said there are bioweapons in Ukraine, which might be a Russian talking point. She said that there are biolabs in Ukraine where deadly pathogens are studied and may be stored. And that if those become compromised, we've got a real problem here, and we've got to be very careful with that. Because we, you know, it's not like we just saw a, a deadly pathogen being released from a Wuhan biolaboratory. That's not treasonous. That's, that's caution. And there's nothing wrong with caution. So to to completely 
take out of context and, quite frankly, to invent things that Carlson and the Gabbard and others have not said, all in an effort to try to, A, take down the competition when it comes to the ratings aspect of things. If you can get him out of there, maybe you can make more money on your side with your shows. In addition to that, um, trying to tell just an American citizen, you can't speak or else we'll have you arrested, that is truly Russian um methodology i guess is a better for lack of a better way of saying it in other words if you criticize what the government's decisions are in war or in any other matter in russia you can be arrested for that they don't have freedom of speech communist countries don't provide the opportunity to speak out against the government you know what does constitutional republics like this one yeah they absolutely do provide for the opportunity to speak out against the government without fear of being arrested or charged with treason. Who's being more like Russia here? Claire McCaskill and Joy Reid and Whoopi Goldberg and Malcolm Nance and all these people uh, who are trying to silence Tucker Carlson and talk about charging him? Or, well, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson for simply having an opinion that says, I don't want to go to war with Russia. Jesse Waters addressed this yesterday, I thought, very well. Does that sound familiar? Democrats in the media have spent the last two years advocating for that. They've been consistently trying to silence conservatives and call anything they don't like misinformation. The liberal media has been calling for a silencing of Fox since Russia invaded Ukraine. Because apparently if you ask questions and raise issues outside the mainstream, it must mean that you're the enemy of the state. They're now even calling for the Justice Department to go after Tucker and Tulsi Gabbard and shut them up. What Tucker Carlson parrots every night on Fox News, what Tulsi Gabbard is spreading, is actually helping Putin get away with criminal acts against innocent Ukrainian civilians. I think DOJ, in the same way that it is uh, setting up a task force to investigate oligarchs, should look into people who are Russian propagandists and shilling for Putin. That's being, if you are a foreign asset uh, to a dictator, Mm -hmm. it should be investigated. They used to arrest people for doing stuff like this. (laughs) Every American should be wondering why our White House and our Democratic Party seem to be mimicking Putin's propaganda style and seeking out ways to silence free speech. As always, this is what the left does. That which they accuse you of doing and being is that of which they themselves are guilty. Make no mistake about it. 924, quick time out. Back, AM uh, AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 927 and 1420, The Answer. We're going to have plenty of time for your phone calls this morning, but I do have a couple of important guests. None of them more important than the guys coming up after the bottom of the hour news here in about eight minutes. There is a Ukrainian fighter who is literally on the ground in Ukraine right now. Uh, We will not have his real name. The name that he uses to do American interviews to give us updates on the ground is Casper. Casper is a Ukrainian soldier. I don't know if he's in Kiev or if he's in uh, 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 one of the other cities, 
But I do know that he is on the ground in Ukraine right now, and he's been providing updates to very limited American media. He's been on Fox News New York. He's been on Fox News. And I think this program, I, I, I could be wrong, but the person who connected me to Casper uh, told me that there are only two other two other media outlets that have contact with Casper. We will be the third. And coming up in uh, in just about, like I said, seven minutes now after the bottom of the hour news, we're going to talk to Casper and talk about what's going on in the ground. We're going to talk to him about what they're facing, about the allegations of Russians target, targeting specifically civilians and civilian areas as opposed to military installations. We're going to talk to him about what kinds of support they they need from a standpoint of weapons, standpoint of equipment, standpoint of uh, air support. We're going to talk about whether or not they are begging the American people over there in the on the front lines uh, to send our own troops over there. I should say they're begging the American government to send our troops there. What do they need? What do they want? And what can we do to help within the within the bounds of reason? So I'm going to talk to him. We're going to get a real feel for what is going on there. And I also want to find out from him uh, whether or not the Russian troops, you know, their counterparts there that are coming across, are actually there for the purposes that they, for purposes that they agree with. We have seen um, Russian soldiers who have been captured admitting in interviews that they don't want to be there. They are there because they have been ordered to be there. And, yes, they are committing genocide. Upon the upon the direct orders of the Russian president uh, Putin, so so many of them, you know, and they didn't even know what they were going there for in the first place. Some of them have done interviews as well and said they told they were told they were going there and they would be greeted by the Ukrainian people with open arms because they were going there to help them, not to destroy them. So we're going to find out what kind of interaction he has had with the Russian soldiers and find out what uh, exactly the conditions are on the ground. It's one thing to have a lot of politicians and media members speculate. It's another thing to go right to the source. So we're going to Ukraine live with a soldier, a Ukrainian soldier, who goes by the name Casper. Again, he's been on only a select few media outlets around this country. In fact, just two. Um, and we are going to be number three. And I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. Stay here through the news, AM 1420, The Answer. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. You know, that is literally what they are trying to do in Ukraine right now. And that is spread the light of liberty and hold the line against tyranny. Hold the line against a dictator, against a killer, against a mass murderer, a marauder like Vladimir Putin. That's what's happening in Ukraine right now. Thank you for joining us. It's 935. All right. As promised now, um, we're about to take a very special phone call. And this is legitimate 100%. We are going live to Ukraine right now where we are going to be joined by a Ukrainian soldier a fighter who is not giving his real name. He has appeared on Fox News and very, very select few American media programs to give us a view from the front line, the battleground, uh, battlegrounds in Ukraine. He is going by the codename Casper to protect his identity, and he joins us now here exclusively on AM 1420, The Answer. Casper, thank you very much for your time this morning. Um, can you hear me all right? Yeah, I hear you. Hi there. Okay. 
Thank, thank you for for coming on. I know you are um, you're you're endeavoring to you know inform the American people of what's going on because you know we only get second and third hand reports from journalists uh, who may or may not have access to some of the things that someone like you does. So as a fighter, being willing to give us the facts of what's going on there, we want to say that we really appreciate that. And I want to ask you. I don't know what city you're in, if you can disclose that or not, but what can you tell me about the conditions on the ground as you see them right now? Well, it's hard to tell. You see, I can't tell you where exactly we are situated in because it's confident. Mm -hmm. I told not to tell any confident information. So uh, the main problem is that our enemies, Russian military forces, are hiding right next to some important objects or just right next to people's homes. You see, uh, my comrades visited front lines only a few days ago. They tell me, "Mm, see, Casper, the main problem is we can shoot them because we will destroy the homes that situated nearby their position. Last time they they gone, they saw, like, they was watching in the binoculars, you see? Mm-hmm. Seeing the military vehicle standing right in the yard, covered by uh, some transparent, some rag. Firstly, they thought that must be the hay that people prepared for the winter for the animals. But no, then they looked down and see uh, six wheels, so it, it was like APC or something. Casper, that's uh, this is um, a tactic we have seen used in other places before. Um, you know, particularly in, mm-hmm. in you know along the Gaza Strip, uh, there have been Palestinians launching rockets into Israel from schools and from other places where, if fire is returned then the narrative becomes, hey, you're targeting schools and you're killing people, uh, killing innocent people in schools. So that's what you're saying that the Russians are doing. They're firing at you from positions where you can't fire back or you will harm civilians. Yes, I'm telling exactly that. Not only that, uh, recently I saw a footage from Mariupol. The Russian tankmen were standing near... Uh, much uh, near a flat, near a usual Ukrainian flat. So there was an old man. He was just going, minding his business. He saw a tank. He rose his hands up to draw attention to him so he won't get shot. And then tank just blasted him. Innocent man got blasted by a tank. For no reason. Um, we have heard reports um, of the Russians targeting civilians. That was going to be one of my questions, but I think you just answered it. They used a tank to fire at an individual civilian with his hands in the air. That's that's what you're witnessing. How yes. often? How often yes, are you I... seeing these atrocities against civilians, Casper? Uh, personally, I thought. This footage once, it was recorded on a drone, Ukrainian drone. Uh, recently, I saw the car that was moved, that was smashed by a tank. 
with the family in it. Wow. Are no, they, nobody are they targeting, Casper, uh, I apologize, there's a delay since you're all the way on the other side of the world in Ukraine and yeah. we're here, so I apologize if I talk over you, please, uh, it, we, we will get through that, but what, what I wanted to ask you is, are the reports of them targeting not just individual civilians like you just described, or a carload of civilians, but there are some reports that they are targeting things like schools and civilian neighborhoods and maybe even yeah. hospitals, um, is, is that happening to your knowledge? I, I can answer that for sure. I have a close friend, close friend of mine. He lives in Kharkiv. Kharkiv is mm, one of the city that has the most Russian-speaking population in Ukraine, you see? Mm-hmm. So Russians told they are going to save Russian-speaking civilians from Ukrainian Nazis or something. That's all lies. He just, a few days ago, he sent me a video. He just standing in his room, in his flat, on ninth floor, I guess. He just filming the out, outside of his house, like showing me where the last mine dropped, last airstrike or last artillery strike, showing me the smoke, then turning his camera to the flat that is just across the road. And it got blown just in, just like mm-hmm. on his eyes on my eyes we saw that both um, that is not to talk about not to talk about uh, hospitals everything is go- go- going to blow up everything is everything is a target is what you're saying and I'm, I'm, I'm having yeah. a hard time even yeah. processing this and what it's like to experience that for if you just turn the radio on, we are talking with a Ukrainian fighter, a soldier named Casper, who is live in a Ukrainian city that he will not disclose right now. His code name or his nickname is Casper. He is, uh, of course, covering his true identity. Casper, um, I asked you about conditions on the ground. I want to ask you that again, but I want to ask you in a more specific way. Some of the reports that we get here in the United States are that Vladimir Putin and his forces are getting increasingly frustrated by the slow pace um, with which they're advancing through Ukraine, and that your fighters are fighting so hard uh, to stop them that this is this is much harder on them than they thought it would be. Are Ukrainian forces getting stronger in holding the lines, or are the Russians starting to make stronger advances into your cities? No. I can tell you for sure we're growing stronger. I can tell you why. We are fighting for our land. They don't know what we what they are fighting for, and we are fighting for our land. They were lied to. All Russian military forces were lied to when they were going to attack us. You see. What were they told they there were are doing? Many, what, what lies were they told uh, that they were doing? Uh, many of them complained that they are just conscripts that they, they thought they are going to. To train, but I think it's all lies. There are many professional war fighters that were in Syria, that were in Donbas, so they now come in here and destroying our cities. They were prepared for this, but not too well. So we can manage this. Can you tell me? Can you tell me what 
the mindset of Ukrainian is. I, I, I've been admiring from this very long distance between us ever since this started the courage of the Ukrainian people. You have celebrities and wealthy people in Ukraine who could just get onto a plane and get out of there, and they're saying, no, give me a uniform, give me a weapon. We are going to fight to defend our country. It's, it's, it's an incredibly inspiring thing, as dangerous as it is. Can you tell me about that mindset that the Ukrainian people have? Uh, this is our home. We are fighting for our home. We must protect it. I'm very pleased that it's happening, that we have so confident people that stay here, that are fighting, that many Ukrainians that were abroad come here. I also admire the help of free fighters, like from all, our, all around the world that come in to help us. Because uh, Ukraine is the last frontier between Russia and Europe, as, as I used to say. So if we lose, I don't know what will happen to the Europe. We must fight. Of course, Kasper, I, I, mm-hmm. can say, I can say another thing. May I say it? I think we have a lot in common between like you Americans and we. Ukrainians, we there, there is a line in our anthem. It goes like we will lay down our souls and our bodies for our freedom, because without freedom, life is meaningless. That is incredibly powerful, and and I agree. It is a it is a is a view and a and an opinion in a mindset that we share. Um, freedom is worth dying for. Otherwise, um, what is the purpose of living? So what is it that you desire, or as you talk to some of your colleagues or just you know civilians, other Ukrainians, what, what is it you desire from the United States? We have issued sanctions to try to stop Vladimir Putin. I understand we're providing weaponry. Uh, we just greenlit billions of dollars to help you in that regard. But the American, American mindset here from a military standpoint is, is if we go there to help you fight, we end, end up in World War III in a, in a true war against Russia, which is something we're trying to avoid. How do you view that? Do you think the United States needs to do more to help you? Well, I think I can remember the close friends of mine, the Godless Ukraine team. They helped us a lot. So if usual American wants to help Ukrainians, he can go to them and help them. So they help us. As for the global thing, well, our skies is our main, you see, liability. There are a lot of Russian planes, a lot of Russian rockets flying to our cities, destroying our schools, our hospitals, our homes. If we can control that, the war will not be a thing anymore. I think the main, the main what we need is some fighter planes and anti-air systems so we can protect our skies from our enemies. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear you kind of clarify and express that because that is the 
the talking point here and the discussion point here is how can we help you control and patrol the air without actually directly involving Americans and American fighter jets uh, being in, in confrontational yeah. situations with the Russians? We will do it ourselves. You can just help us. No involving. I admire that so much, uh, because that is something I think we can do, and I think that when your President Zelensky speaks to our Congress here today, and he is doing that today, we are told, uh, uh, through a conference call, uh, that is going to be the question of whether whether or not American jets and uh, fighter jets uh, and MiGs should be sent to Ukraine or sent to Poland to supplement uh, what you can get from Poland in order to let you do it yourself. That is something that I think can be done. But what if conventional warfare... Um, Casper, um, is not enough to settle this. The, the, the conversation that we are hearing now from Moscow is the question of at what point Putin might consider using nuclear weaponry against you. Is there a fear of nuclear weapons being used on the ground where you are? We didn't ask for the usual soldiers. We don't know what to expect from Putin, from Russians. We don't know, certainly, but we'll do our best to protect ourselves. Do you believe that NATO nations, even though Ukraine is not a part of NATO, and that, of course, is one of the reasons this is an issue, but do you believe that NATO countries will come to your defense militarily, even though you're not a part of that alliance? Uh, Now, I don't see a necessity in that, but... If they will help, we will we will ally them gladly. There are a lot of experts, military uh, experts in the United States, that say if Vladimir Putin does begin to threaten using nuclear weapons in this battle with you, that NATO nations are going to have no choice but to be involved, and that would include the United States as well. I hope it does not come to that, obviously, but uh, I, I certainly hope that you know that there are millions and millions of Americans whose hearts are with you and who are supportive of you and want our government to support you in any way we can, probably just shy of being involved in a direct war against Russia. Um, what message would you like the American people to know from from the ground in Ukraine? Well, the enemy is not so scary as, it, as we as we firstly thought. There is nothing unbearable here. So, if we will stay together, all the countries of the civilized world, if we still to stand strong and stay together. They won't do anything to us. They won't harm us in any way. Let me ask you one final question, Casper, and I cannot thank you enough for giving us the viewpoint of, uh, you know, from the front lines in Ukraine. I'm trying to imagine what we would do here if we saw foreign tanks rolling through American cities and troops uh, killing and blasting and shooting American citizens. I, I can't imagine waking up one morning and looking outside each day and seeing destruction all around me in our cities. I, I, can you put into words what that feels like there? Because you're experiencing exactly that. We can't imagine it here. What can I say? It's, there's nothing to describe it per- perfectly. I guess you should, exp- you know, you shouldn't. 
but you have to experience it yourself to just to understand how it feels. It's undescribable. What you see in the country where is everybody has a gun, I don't think it's an issue because if everybody stay together, we can fight back. Look at our opposing force, for example. Ukrainian Territorial Defense Force, for example. They are plain civilians. They're fighting with, I don't know, hunting rifles and Molotov cocktails. But they pushed the enemy back. A lot of columns were destroyed by simple civilians. Like you and your neighbors, everybody can do a difference. I think you uh, just gave a remarkable answer to an impossible question, because you're right. We can't imagine it unless we experience it, and there are no words that can really explain it. But I'm so inspired to hear you say that the enemy is not, uh, uh, you know, uh, unbeatable. The enemy is not as threatening and as fearsome as, uh, as they appear to be, and everyone, if they join together, can protect that land. Casper, I thank you very much. I know it's very difficult for you to be able to talk to American media like this. Thank you for putting yourself at risk and for keeping us uh, uh, up to date on what is going on there. God be with you all. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. I've been doing radio for, well, this is my 25th year. I've never talked to a soldier in the middle of a war zone. Veterans? About what they experienced in the past? Yes. Many, many times. Officers working behind the scenes? Yes. Never talked to a soldier from the middle of a war zone. And I gotta tell you, I'm moved. The idea that the Ukrainian people are all, as he said, banding together with whatever they have, hunting rifles, Molotov cocktails, pushing back against this overwhelming force and defending themselves is something that um, I think I will, I will be thinking about. It will keep me up at night for a very, very long time to come. And I wonder what your reaction to that is. 216-901-0945. We'll take a break and come right back. Okay, we're coming up on our news here, but um, I just wanted to follow that again real quick. Um, Northeast Ohio is home to one of the largest Ukrainian populations, I think, of the country, certainly in the Midwest, certainly in the region. Um, If you know anyone, if you know anyone who is Ukrainian, if you are a Ukrainian listener, Ukrainian-American, if you're a Ukrainian-American uh, uh, citizen and you would like to talk to us about what you just heard and about what's going on and what your wishes and desires are for the United States with respect to our response is, I would very much uh, appreciate the chance to talk with you and to listen to you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Even if you don't know anyone who is Ukrainian-American, I want to hear from you too. That was a very, very important interview I think that we all just were a part of. And um, I think it deserves more of our attention and our time. And by the way, President Zelensky has spoken to the Congress today. I have some of the information about what he requested 
And I want to find out, once you hear what it is, whether it's something you think we need to do and should do. All of that coming up in the next hour on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. With Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, seven minutes past ten o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday, the 16th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2022. That was was, uh, one of the more uh, moving and, quite frankly, difficult interviews that I've done in a very long career. Um... Casper, if you just turned the radio on, you missed a conversation that I just had with a Ukrainian fighter. He's a Ukrainian soldier who's in, well, not Kiev. Uh, he may be in Kiev. I don't know. He's he's in a city that he would not disclose. But he's a he's on the ground in the in the battle and in the war against that Russian invasion. And um, he had a lot of very important things to say. Eventually, you can hear that conversation on our podcast uh, page at whkradio.com, which is also shared on my webpage, which is uh, alwayswrite.us. And uh, I'll feature this, of course, that interview uh, in my featured radio interview of the day on my webpage. Um, I was very, very, inc- I was kind of, kind of simultaneously. Um, saddened and inspired you ever have a feeling like that that's a unique one i'll be honest with you saddened when i heard the emotion in his voice i asked if as i asked him to describe his surroundings and what it's like to wake up and open your eyes and see your city destroyed neighbors and family and friends killed displaced hiding um seeing the aggressors marching attacking he witnessed a tank firing I'm, I'm assuming tanks only fire their big gun they don't have little guns on tanks at, 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 a, at a civilian a civilian man with his hands in the air just because they could that made me sad but as I was sad my I was simultaneously inspired when he said the enemy is not as fearsome as they thought the enemy can be defeated. I asked him about Putin, the reports of Putin's frustration with the lack of progress, or at least the slow speed with which they were um, carrying out this invasion. And I said, "Is that are those reports true? Are the Russians frustrated because they're running into... Extraordinary defense efforts by the Ukrainians, by people like him, Casper, um, or are they starting to make some ground? And he said, no, we are getting stronger. We, the Ukrainians, are getting stronger, and we are holding them off. And I'm listening to, to, a, to a guy whose life is on the line, whose family is in the same place, whose friends telling us about civilians being targeted, telling about... The Russians using that that age-old, cowardly, cowardly uh, um, uh, positioning, I guess is the best way to say that, firing 
at the Ukrainians from schools, firing from positions where civilians were located so that the Ukrainians could not fire back for fear of hitting their own people, hitting their own civilians. It reminded me of what goes on on a regular basis along the Gaza Strip as Palestinian attackers launch rockets into Israel from school buildings, from hospital zones, and areas where civilians are plentiful. And then if the Israelis return fire to the location where the attacks came from, then they're the ones who are, in the international press, accused of killing Palestinian children and targeting Palestinian schools. We've seen this going on for a very long time, and now the Russians are doing it. Again, in a cowardly manner, because they want to obviously protect themselves while making the Ukrainians the bad guys if they kill their own people, if they kill their own children and their own civilians. Talk about a cowardly tactic. That's what they're doing. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to watch in real time. Now, as it pertains to what's going on, and we do need to discuss this, uh, to what's going on in Washington, the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, was addressing the Congress. And as expected, he's addressing the Congress and pleading for more military assistance, pleading for the United States to be a part of enforcing a no-fly zone. You just heard Casper tell me from the ground that if we can just stop them from bombing us from the air, we can defeat them and stop this invasion and protect our sovereign land and protect our freedom. He said if we can just stop them from the air. And sure enough... Here we are, President Zelensky addressing the American Congress. He invoked 9-11, Pearl Harbor, and Martin Luther King Jr. as part of his speech to the Congress in pleading for aid and pleading for the implementation and the enforcement of an O-Fly Zone. He begged for additional aircraft and air defense systems, creating a new security alliance. He was speaking from Kiev, or Kiev, if you will, where he chose to remain as Russian forces move on toward that city. He thanked Biden for his personal involvement and sincere commitment to the defense of Ukraine, although I have yet to see a whole lot of specific uh, evidence of that. He has to say what he has to say to get uh, you know the American leadership on his side. But he did go on to say, however, it is now the darkest time for our country, for the whole of Europe. I call on you to do more. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, Americans, in your great history, you have pages that would allow you to understand Ukrainians. Understand us right now when we need you right now. Remember Pearl Harbor, terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you. Just remember it. He went on to invoke September 11, 2001, calling it a terrible day when independent territories were turned into battlefields and when innocent people were attacked, attacked from the air. Yes, just like no one expected, you could not stop it. Our country experiences the same every day. Right now, at this moment, every night for three weeks now, various Ukrainian cities, Odessa and Kukatani, have been so so many predominantly of uh, Mariupol. Zelensky said Russia has turned the Ukrainian sky into a source of death for thousands of people, saying there are missiles and countless bombs. They use drones to kill us with precision, he said. This is a terror that Europe has not seen for 80 years, and we are asking for a reply, for an answer from this terror from the whole world. 
Is this a lot to ask for to create a no-fly zone over Ukraine to save people? Is this too much to ask? A humanitarian no-fly zone, something that Ukraine, that Russia would not be able to terrorize our free cities. If this is too much to ask, we offer an alternative. He said, calling air for air, powerful, strong air systems to protect our people, our freedom, and our land. You know that they exist and you, and you have them, but they are on earth. Not in Ukraine, not in the Ukrainian sky. They do not defend our people. Invoking Martin Luther King Jr., Zelensky said, I have a dream. These words are known to each of you. Today I can say I have a need, a need to protect our sky. I need your decision, your help, which means exactly the same, the same you feel when you hear the words, I have a dream. He pointed to World War II, and Zelensky said that the war of the past have prompted our predecessors to create institutions that should protect us from war. They unfortunately don't work. We see it, you see it, so we need new ones, new institutions, new alliances, and we are for them. So I'll go back between what Zelensky told our Congress today and what Casper the Ukrainian fighter who I spoke with last hour uh, told me, and I'll try to marry the two. And you tell me what you think. Is it possible for us to provide the Ukrainians with all of the tools that they need to patrol the air as they want without patrolling it ourselves? Can we give them not only the planes, but the air defense system cited by Zelensky and ask them to do this for themselves, thereby avoiding putting us in a direct head-to-head battle situation with the Russian military. Maybe that is the solution. Casper said, this is all we want. We're just begging for the, for the materials. We're begging for the planes, the systems. He said, we'll do it ourselves. If you can't do it or won't do it, we'll do it ourselves. Just give us that much. Now, before I go to your calls, it's kind of an interesting development here because I started the show talking about how Tucker Carlson is being attacked for saying we shouldn't go over and do any of those things in Ukraine, or at least I shouldn't say any, but shouldn't do anything involving a direct um, you know, confrontation with Russia because getting us into World War III is not a positive move. We need to worry about ourselves here, protect the homeland, provide you know, sanctions and uh, funding and so on and so forth for the Ukrainians, sure. But we should stop the warmongering, stop the beating of the war drums and saying it's time to go over there and get involved into this thing militarily. Tucker Carlson, uh, obviously I think in a more of an isolationist point of view, um, that's not a popular view for a lot of people, but it's his view. And so... I hope it doesn't sound hypocritical or like I'm playing both sides of the same fence when I say Tucker Carlson has every right to be more isolationist in his opinion without being called a traitor or an anti-humanitarian or a Russian tool or an asset of Putin. He has a right to that. And Casper also has a right to say, help us in any way you can and we'll take care of the rest. And I think we ought to be able to do both of those things, not involve ourselves in a war with Russia, but doing everything that can be done for the Ukrainian people. Steve is in Collinwood. Steve, thanks for waiting. Uh, I appreciate that. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, I think the situation is very much like in Syria when the, the beginning of the caliphate and ISIS 
uh, was expanding, and they made calls out to for people to join their fight. And uh, people from, you know, they were able to supplant, supplant their fighters by bringing in foreign fighters. And this is very much also, that's also happening in Ukraine. There was a strike the other day, and that is very close to the Polish border. And it was a high intelligence strike because that was a, a, a focal point, apparently, of, it's not in the news anymore. It went down the memory hole, but there were, there were Americans there, too. So, but they have a a problem in Ukraine, and it's different from the rest of Europe, in that they have, do you know who Stefan Bengira is? I don't know that name, no, sir. Okay, that was, that was a leader, I don't want to go into that, that's a whole different discussion, but that, that is a nationalist leader in Ukraine, and... His followers and the people that follow their Ukraine, you know, ideology, you could call them like uh, right. They call them right wing extremists or, uh, 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 you know, um, whatever, you know, sure, or Nazis and stuff. But the point is, is those people that believe in that ideology formed a brigade and, uh, uh, and was incorporated into the Ukrainian National Guard. They also received their headquarters as Independent Square. Now, granted, it didn't start under Zelensky. It started, they formed prior to that. But when Zelensky came, it continued the policy. So... Now, I, ask I, you, I, I need you to wrap this because we're going way too oh, deep okay. here, Steve. You're getting into they're, stuff they're, that they're nobody the, knows about. They're into the KKK. The KKK. <clears throat> no other country in Europe has extremist groups like that incorporated into their n- n- national defense structure except Ukraine. They exist in all the other countries, but they're not incorporated into the government as part of uh, a force part of the government. And that's okay. part of what... As, as horrible as Putin is, that is part of his political. He wants to change the structure there. You ask Ukrainians about their involvement in in my family came from above. They are quite capable. In four days in, in July of 1942, they slaughtered 13,000 people in the Lvov ghetto, including half my family. I don't hold the ones that live there today responsible, but I'm saying. Okay. Then they use pipes and whatever. They're quite capable. Okay. Well, of- listen, I, Steve, I, I appreciate the call. I got to go because, again, we're just into such deep weeds here. Uh, it's, it's way too much. It's way too much. I, I, if you're trying to say that the government is not the best government in the world, they're not necessarily this beacon of freedom the way the United States government is. Okay. I got it. If you say that they were incorporated some extremist groups into their government, I got that too. My response would be there are extremist groups in the United States. Some of them are supported by our government. But it doesn't mean that our people should be uh, left to die uh, you know, at the hands of a murderous, marauding dictator like Vladimir Putin. Are there extremist groups in the United States supported by the federal government? You better believe there are. Black Lives Matter is an extremist group. And I'm not talking about the phrase Black Lives Matter, which of course they do because all of our lives in America matter. But I'm talking about BLM Inc., the Marxist organization which is propped up and supported by the federal government. You think CARE is not an extremist group? The Council on American-Islamic Relations? They are. And they are supported by our government. In fact, there are probably a dozen or so 
particularly a dozen or so radical Islamic extremist groups operating in the United States with the willing assent and approval of our government. Extremist groups exist, yes. And it would still not be enough for anybody to just cast us aside and say the American people don't deserve support. Financial, militarily, weaponry, or whatever, because that there are some bad people operating within bad segments of the government. And if that's the case in, in Ukraine, I won't doubt your word. But I don't think it changes the equation that we are forced to try to solve here. It's 1023. We'll be right back. Always right with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer. Uh, this is our home. We are fighting for our home. We must protect it. I'm very pleased that it's happening, that we have so confident people that stay here, that are fighting, that many Ukrainians that were abroad come here. I also admire the help of free fighters, like from all, our, all around the world that coming to help us. Because uh, Ukraine is the last frontier between Russia and Europe, as, as I used to say. So if we lose, I don't know what will happen to the Europe. We must fight. That was Kasper, a Ukrainian fighter who joined me in the first hour of the program live from Ukraine, talking about the battle against the Russians. You know, one of the other important things that he said in that conversation was that the Russians, the soldiers that they're fighting, he said they've been lied to. He said this is why we're winning and this is why we will win. He said because we are defending our land. We have a reason and a purpose for our fighting. They don't. They were lied to. They weren't even told what they were coming over there to do. And you know what? He might be right. That might make all the difference. All right, let's go back to the phones now, and we're going to talk to uh, Bob in Medina, I believe it is. Bob, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Um, boy, that, that uh, call you had with that uh, soldier was very riveting, very riveting. I, I can't even imagine that I tried to, but I can't. But I do, uh, too. Here's I try I, to. Yeah, yeah, here's the bottom line about this whole debacle. You know, Biden's attitude toward, I mean, he's had a lot of, um, you know, nefarious things with Ukraine, Russia, and China. These guys got something over him. They have to, because these policies just don't make any sense. And the tentacles uh, of these other countries, like China, you know, like uh, Russia, and uh, I mean, there's so much into our government already. And and I'm and I mentioned before, I don't know if you ever got the opportunity to catch that uh, Fox Nation with uh, um, the um, that uh, author that uh, uh, Peter. Personal, I believe his name is, or is that your guy? I, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about here, Bob, but I want to stay on point here with the Ukraine situation. Can you do that? Yes, yeah, all right. And, and so as far as uh, Ukraine is concerned and everything, it seems like Biden doesn't care about Ukraine. Russia, yeah, you know, because he's not getting involved with protecting the airspace. They got, you know, so I, I really feel Russia's got something really deep on Biden. And and then it just swings right around to China. And well, so well now, see, now you're, now you're getting into some situation. And thank you. Good call, Bob. I appreciate it. Now you're getting into something 
where you wonder what it is that Biden's crack-addled, derelict, disgusting, reprobate of a son uh, got him into. Because we all know that it went far beyond Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company, that he was given an extraordinary salary to be a part of when he didn't know anything about energy, energy nor Ukraine. We don't know. We also know he had ties to Russia and China. And in fact, he is still, he was supposed to divest of his, uh, his uh, ownership in uh, uh, um, uh, a Chinese firm, and they still list him as a shareholder. Hunter Biden... And, and if you look at the, the, the laptop that we were not allowed to talk about, that no one was allowed to cover, and that the one news outlet that did cover, which talked about his involvement in investing uh, and, and getting enriched by Ukrainian and Russian companies, the one uh, news outlet that did report on that, the New York Post, was canceled. Twitter took their account down and blocked them from talking about this. Everybody, because this was right before the election, as you know, that was listening to Tony Bobolinsky citing chapter and verse about how much 10% for the big guy. Look, Biden, you say, you know, it's clear that Russia has something on Biden. You're exactly right. Everybody has something on Biden, if not because of his own efforts, but because of those of his son. The crack smoking. <sighs> I, I, I could get into all of the things that he's involved in, from sleeping with his late brother's widow and uh, the, the, the list of, of, of embarrassments that Hunter Biden is never going to be held to account for, and that of his father is too long to do in a radio segment. But is Hunter Biden perhaps uh, maybe to blame for some of the policies of this administration because he is in serious Dutch with, with Putin and others? Absolutely, that's a possibility. Absolutely. Bob, that's a great call. We'll talk more after the news. AM 1420, The Answer. I think we have a lot in common between, like, you Americans and we Ukrainians. We, there, there is a line in our anthem. It goes like, we will lay down our souls and our bodies for our freedom. Because without freedom, life is meaningless. Welcome back to Always Right with Bob Fratz on AM 1420. The answer. That was one of the uh, more powerful lines that I heard from Casper this morning. If you missed the uh, first hour of the broadcast... Um, bad, bad call by you, uh, because you missed, uh, you missed a very important conversation that I had with the Ukrainian soldier who goes by the codename of Casper. He has made a couple of appearances on American media. He's been on Fox News nationally and he was on Fox News New York. I'm told those are the only other two uh, media outlets in which he has appeared other than this one. So it was an exclusive conversation and you heard what he said. When he was making the appeal to the American people, we share something in common. There's a line in our anthem that sounds very similar to yours. And he's right when he said that um, without freedom, life isn't worth living. We will lay down our lives in the defense of freedom. And that's exactly what this country was founded upon. He's right. Now, he told us that. And then a little bit later on this morning, the president of Ukraine, 
uh, President Zelensky addressed the American Congress via Zoom conference call. And this is a short piece of what he had to say as he was pleading for support, helping, uh, asking the Americans to help him and to help Ukraine uh, establish a no-fly zone. This is the very same request that I got from Casper when I said, how can the Americans help you? And he said, help us stop them from killing us from the air. If you do that, we will defeat them. We will beat them on the ground. He said we are getting stronger. Our uh, Ukrainian citizens were returning from other countries to come home and fight rather than staying away from it where they were safe. He said citizens are fighting with everything they have, from hunting rifles to Molotov cocktails. They will beat the Russians on the ground if they can stop them from bombing them through the air, particularly with drones. Please help us enforce that. That's what Casper asked me, and this is what President Zelensky asked Congress Obviously, he's speaking in Ukrainian, so you will hear the translation over him. Ukrainians, understand us now, when you need it right now, when we need you right now. Remember Pearl Harbor, terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you. Just remember it. Remember September the 11th, a terrible day in 2001 when evil tried to turn your cities, independent territories in battlefields, when innocent people were attacked, attacked from air, yes. Just like no one else expected it, you could not stop it. Our country experienced the same every day. So that is a very impassioned plea from President Zelensky to the American Congress to please help them stop the air attacks. How do you respond to Casper? How do you respond to President Zelensky? How do you respond to Tucker Carlson when he says we shouldn't do any of that? I will defend to the death his right to have that opinion and not be called a traitor or be threatened with arrest the way uh, some on the left want him to be just to take him down. But do you agree with the point? Do you agree with the statement? Let me go to Cleveland now and Mary Ellen on AM 1420, The Answer. Mary Ellen, good morning. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. My um My comment, um, first of all, may be a little off, but... Um, the call from Casper was quite moving, and it actually gave me chills listening to him speak, um, knowing that he's there in the middle of all that um, fighting in the war zone. But I think um, my point is to all your listeners and the people of America, we are very spoiled, and we really don't have an idea of what it's like, thank the Lord, to have tanks and bombs and things going off and running for safety and for your life with the clothes on your back. Um, So I think I don't understand why people aren't pushing back and standing up and fighting for our freedoms now, because if we don't do it now, we won't have them like our free speech, our our Mm -hmm. right to carry guns, all of that. So I, I just don't understand why they're not pushing back more against the government. I think we need to, to stand up against the, the left movement. Well, I think you're 100% right. We do need to do that. Um, and, and thank you so much for the great phone call. Um, look, 
this country's this country's freedoms are kind of unique. Um, what I would say is, Ukraine could only aspire to have what we have here, and we can help them in that aspiration by by doing a few things to support them. I too was moved by Casper, and I cannot imagine what it would be like to to. That's why I asked him that question, Mary Ellen, and and you know I'll I'll follow up on it. Can you imagine being awakened in the middle of the night and hearing an explosion that sounded like, I don't know, um, the worst thunderclap you have ever heard times 10, and then looking outside and seeing that a massive, massive portion of downtown Cleveland has has been hit by artillery, and looking at it? on your television screen and then hearing another one and another one and then seeing people in your own neighborhood pouring out of their houses, carrying as much of their own supplies as they can and fleeing to try to escape the bombing, the artillery, the shelling, the the gunfire that is coming as troops, foreign troops, work their way through the city and through the neighborhoods where you and your family work. Can you imagine that? I can't. Casper's living it right now. That's why I asked him that question. They have one ounce. I'm struggling for a way to say it, but I mean, they have just a small, tiny fraction of the true liberty and freedom that the people of the United States enjoy, and that is now being taken away from them by a marauding mass killer in the, by the name of Vladimir Putin. Should we? Defend them in a manner that, that will help them defeat Vladimir Putin and, and drive them back into Russia? Do we have that? Is it on our list of responsibilities and obligations? Probably not. Is it in our best interest, bigger picture, to do something that is right for innocent people? And moreover, to show the rest of the world that when big, bad bullies come a-knocking, that the answer will be made not necessarily just by the homeowner, but by the neighbors, the friends, the allies, the United States of America? Does something like that need to happen? I think probably so. That doesn't mean we go to war with Russia. doesn't mean I want our planes in the air with American fighter pilots in Eastern Europe you know, facing off with the Russians. This isn't Top Gun. This isn't the movies. I don't want to hear about Russian MiG dead ahead and, well, we'll just hit the brakes and fly right by. Isn't isn't it a game? Isn't it a, a play? I don't want Americans engaging with Russians in any capacity because then the two biggest superpowers in the world, militarily, are going to be on a collision course that may not be able to be avoided. But do we need to do something to show the rest of the world that we will support and we will be there and we will provide munitions, we will provide transports, we will provide uh, planes, we will provide whatever is necessary to make sure that the rest of the world knows you will not run wild over our allies and friends and trying to establish world dominance the way the Soviet Union once tried, the way that uh, obviously Hitler tried and the way China might even be thinking about right now. Do we need to do something about that? You better believe we do. And and like I said, short of a, of, a, of an actual face-to-face confrontation with the Russians, that's something we better plan on. Uh, there, there's so many things you can just ponder here. Um, 
but like I said, try to try to imagine waking up to what Casper and his family and those are waking up to every day in Ukraine. And what would we do here? By the way, I, you know what? Super fast, super fast. Uh, if I can do it super fast and pull up this this article that I've had kind of saved for a couple of days now. There was a survey that was done that was asking that very question: What happens? If we get invaded, if there was an actual ground force invasion of the United States, the way Ukraine is has been invaded now on the ground, and obviously through the air, uh, by Russia, what would happen here in the United States? Who's going to step up, step up and fight? Who's going to stand up and do what Casper was talking about, the citizens they're doing? According to the article I read, and I'm trying to pull it up here. If I can't do it now, I'll do it after the, the break. But there, it was very eye-opening as to who is willing to step up and fight and who is willing to turn and run the other way and go to another country and say, I'm not doing it. Oh, I think I found it. Here it is. Yeah. Former acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf reacting to a poll that was conducted by... I always love to give the the source here of the poll because it may... uh, indicate a little bit now i can't find the source of it but at any rate chad wolf responding to the poll um that showed that in the fight in the event of a fight after an invasion of the united states people of different political persuasions are far more likely to step up and fight i'm sorry to say this and i'm sorry to make this into something that is partisan and ugly but it is what it is broken down along party lines a majority of Americans would not, uh, I'm sorry, a majority of Democrats would not stay and fight. Chad Wolf said this tells you that they don't believe, is, is, believe that America is worth defending at the end of the day. There are individuals certainly who would, but there are far too many who would flee rather than fight for this country. The overwhelming majority, according to the survey, of conservative-minded people would absolutely pick up a weapon and fight for the country if it was under invasion. I think that says a lot. I think it's very, very informative when you consider uh, the discussions about what the Democrats came into this country to do in 2008 when they elected Barack Obama. And that was what? That was fundamentally transform America. They don't believe in defending America as she exists right now. It's a fundamental transformation that is necessary. Republicans or conservative-minded people want to defend this great land for exactly what it is, and that is the greatest force for good in the history of humankind. Republicans and conservatives would fight to defend it. Democrats would not if we faced uh, what the people of Ukraine are facing right now, and I think that's very telling. Quinnipiac, thank you, Johnny. I was just told that was a Quinnipiac poll. So, you know, that's just, those are what the numbers show. 40, there it is, Only now I have the specifics, too. Only 40% of Democrats say they would stay and fight. 60%, the majority, 6 in 10, would turn tail and run. And that is very, very troubling. I'll give you a few more of those numbers and go back to a few more of your phone calls right after this. Whatever tomorrow brings. We've got a better chance of survival if we work together. Together on Always Right. We stay together, we survive. With Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. But the reality is, not everybody would stay together to fight and survive. Here's a little bit more on the numbers that I was talking about before. Overall asked if there was an invasion of the USA the way there's an invasion of Ukraine right now, how many would stay and fight and how many would flee the country? 
Overall, 55-38. 55% of Americans say they would stay and fight. 38% say they would flee the country to save their own lives. What about when it comes down to the parties? Well, as I mentioned, just 4 in 10 Democrats said they would stay and fight. 40%. 52% say they would leave the country to save themselves. Republicans? 68% say, we're fighting. Let's go. Give me a weapon. 25% say they would flee the country. I think that's a pretty telling number. I really do. And I'm not just saying that to make somebody feel bad. I'm just giving you the reality of the situation. And oh, by the way, it shouldn't be a surprise to you considering the fact that most of the Democrats are the ones who don't want you to have a weapon with which to fight back. They don't think you should have weapons with particularly multi-rounds. You know, oh, there's too many. What do you need? Is is the deer wearing Kevlar? Why do you need so many rounds? You don't need big magazines like that. Come on. They don't want you to be able to defend yourself, your family, or your country in the event that it came down to that. But guess who said you should be able to? The people who built the country, the people who founded the country, the people who wrote the rules and said, yeah, it may come come time for you to defend the country against enemies, whether they be foreign or domestic. And yes, because of that, you have the right to bear arms. TJ in Cleveland. Go ahead, TJ. Yeah, you know, Bob, I think Zelensky made one mistake when he addressed Congress yesterday. That was today. Or or today. When he brought up uh, uh, 9-11 and uh, he brought up Pearl Harbor, Mm -hmm. if he had brought up January 6th, you'd have had every Democrat in this country grabbing a weapon wanting to go to the Ukraine (laughs) to fight. Yeah. I get the point you're making, but no, they wouldn't. They're still cowards. They wouldn't come. They'd grab weapons, and they'd still be afraid of old ladies and and, uh, carrying Gadsden flags and walking into unblocked and escorted doors into the Capitol building, only then to later on be called domestic terrorists who deserve to go to jail for five years at a time. They'd still be afraid of them. You know, yeah, I was just well being, I yeah, I was just being facetious. I know you were. I know you were. I knew what you were trying to say, I mean, and I get that's it. Like the worst yeah. event in American history, in their mind. Them. Right on. But, I'm but, with but, you, brother. But you know, there's no fly zone, Bob. Yeah. Uh, to me, this is a huge mistake. You know, China just announced yesterday that they're offering Putin help with his invasion. We shoot down a Russian jet or a Chinese jet. Well, we know where that's heading. I mean. I, I feel really bad about the Ukraine, and I've seen war, Bob. You know, people are just talking to people, and they're watching it on TV. I experienced it personally, and it's horrible, and I feel really bad for these people there. But I'm not ready to go to third world war with Russia and China over the Ukraine. I'm just not ready. And all these people rattling their sabers talking about this, they just don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, this and to be clear on that, TJ, just so everybody knows, and thanks for the phone call, the latest on that question that I am aware of is that China said they will consider their own interests as it decides whether or not to help Russia. To my knowledge, they have not said that they are willing to offer assistance to Russia in this effort. They said they'll consider what's in their best interest when making that call. But to my knowledge, they have not yet made that call. Now, some have said it's up to China, and they have a great opportunity to provide Russia with an off-ramp here to end this thing without Putin losing everything and being able to save face. And uh, would they do something like that to help Putin in that regard, end the effort, the war effort, and uh, and and allow Russia to continue to maintain its posture? Maybe, but I've not seen anything yet that says China is offering material, financial, or or military support to the Russian effort. All right, just to make sure that that's clear for now. We'll see if that changes, obviously. Uh, let me go to where? 
looks like we're going to talk to Mike in Akron. Hey, Mike, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hey, uh, hi, Bob. Good morning. And uh, I'm not surprised about the Quinniac poll because the Democrats' playbook is to appease evil, and they do it at every single turn. Even this ward, look at Biden just dragging his feet to, you know, to sign, you know, the bills to get the the money to Ukraine. Even then, he's you know being pushed by Republicans to do that. So. I don't. I, I have no problem us supporting Ukraine, and we should be helping them. They're being obliterated, and you know they've stood up. I mean, the, the courage that this man has exhibited is just unbelievable. He's going to emerge probably for, as a world leader when this is all said and done. But to give them MIGs and and to, and and even just to take part of Ukraine and and establish a no-fly zone. I have no problem with that whatsoever. And, you know, I don't think Russia's going to uh, – thank God for President Trump, because what he did was to get NATO to step up. So now NATO, the, the, the Germany, the German, Germany and the NATO countries are – you know, their military budget is $300 billion. That's more than China and Russia together. So thank God for President Trump. He made a difference. It's still making a difference. And we can stand up to this bully without getting our troops involved there. I kind of disagree a little bit with TJ. I don't want a ground war there. I, we should not be committing that. But Agreed. at the very least, we should be supplying uh, MIGs at the very least, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely so, agree with that. Thank you for the phone call. That's kind of the point that I was getting at. Uh, that keeps us out of a head-to-head confrontation with them, but it does give the Ukrainians a fighting chance uh, to stop that air campaign that the Russians have engaged um, uh, over Ukraine. All right, uh, it's 11 o'clock. Ordinarily, this would be the end of the show, but if you just tuned, turned us on for the first time in a few days, not anymore. This is our first week of being a three-hour show. Hour number three is coming up. We're going to get into a couple of other things, um, a little closer to home. In fact, a lot closer to home than my conversation with Casper from Ukraine earlier this morning. This one's going to be with Jack Windsor from Ohio. Jack Windsor is going to be the guest presenter at tonight's uh, Citizens for Free Speech webinar. Uh, and we're going to cover a lot of ground here. He did an extraordinary deep dive into the Blystone allegations against Jim Renacci about supporting trans bathroom rights. Um, I tried to get to the bottom of it with interviews with Blystone and Renacci on back-to-back days. Some people still say they don't know what really happened. Jack Windsor wrote what really happened in the Ohio Press Network, and he'll tell us about it next, AM 1420, The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Hour number three, indeed, underway. Seven minutes past 11 now. Thanks for being with us. Thanks again to my amazing sponsors, The Floor King, keeping Medicare simple for teaming up to bring you hour number three of this broadcast. Certainly appreciate that opportunity. We have a lot of work to do. Let's do it. I uh, want to turn away. And by the way, if you missed the interview that I did today with Casper, again, that's a code name. He is a Ukrainian fighter. He has been on only two American media outlets, to my understanding, Fox News and Fox News New York. Uh, add to that AM 1420, the answer, and always right. He talked to us live from Ukraine in the middle of the war zone, telling you exactly what he has been a part of, what he has witnessed, what his colleagues and fellow soldiers are dealing with, what the civilians there are doing to stop the Russian advance, and what they need from us in order to try to make this successful. And I do truly believe uh, that he believes they are going to stop the Russians as long as the air campaign can be uh, can be dissuaded in some way, whether it be by Americans uh, patrolling the air and enforcing a no-fly zone or just with providing them with the MiGs and the support to be able to do it themselves. He said, we will win on the ground. We just cannot defeat drones and, uh, and uh, the air campaign that's been waged against them. If you missed that interview... It was inspiring and sad all at the same time. It'll be on uh, whkradio.com on the podcast page in about an hour, and it will be. It is up now. I'm told. Okay, I thought we were doing the entire show uh, at one time now. Got, oh, that interview is up. Okay, thank you, Johnny. So that is available right now, and I will feature it on alwaysright.us, my new uh, conservative news and views webpage, alwaysright.us. You will see and hear, or rather, hear that interview. Want to bring on uh, our good friend now, Jack Windsor, who is the editor in chief and the founder of the Ohio Press Network. He also happens to be a state house correspondent covering all state affairs for us right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Jack Windsor. Good morning. How are you, sir? Bob, I'm super fantastic. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Uh, well, I look forward to sharing with you. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot to share, man. I'll tell you what, I'm so glad we've got you tonight as the uh, guest presenter in our Citizens for Free Speech webinar because um, we need a good 45-minute lecture from you on what's going on with respect to freedom of speech and freedom of the press. Uh, so I'm going to try to get just a very little bit about that there to try to tell people what's going on tonight. And, Jack, I want to talk about your incredible deep dive. It ended up being posted yesterday, late afternoon slash early evening. Um, you took on the question here in Ohio politics of whether or not Jim Renacci voted to support trans bathroom rights or not. He was alleged, it was alleged by fellow uh, Republican uh, gubernatorial candidate Joe Blystone that Renacci voted in, in fact, he's made it the, strangely enough, he's made it the cornerstone of his campaign. He is campaigning more against Jim Renacci, in my view, for second place. He wants to make sure that he finishes second to DeWine. Then he is campaigning against DeWine to try to stop him from having another four destructive years uh, as governor of this state. So Blystone said Renacci did. Renacci said that's not what that vote was for. There was a, there was an amendment. Then there was an amendment to the amendment. And you went to great pains to get to the bottom of all of it. So, Jack, in as, uh, in as much of a summary as you can give us, or in as much detail, rather, give us that summary. So I'll, I'll start with the end. And, and here's the end conclusion that I reached. And um, it was a complex journey. But Blystone's effort to connect Renacci's vote for the amended Maloney Amendment to support uh, for transgender bathrooms, meaning, you know, Blystone saying, hey, his, his vote on that um, equals the support for 
transgender bathrooms, um, you know, it, it seems to be a bridge too far. That's the short of it. Um, because there's, there's ignoring of possible implications of all of the amendments on the matter. And we can dive into that if you'd like, but Maloney, the Maloney amendment was introduced, um, a week before it was reintroduced. And the reintroduction is what, you know, Blystone and Renacy have gone back and forth on. But Maloney is a Democrat. He's from New York and he introduced um, an amendment, um, with a veteran spending bill. And it didn't pass. And then a week later, he reintroduced it for uh, uh, to attach it to an energy and water bill that Congress was considering at the time. So it's an, it was a, an appropriations bill. And uh, on its face, the Maloney Amendment says that you uh, can't discriminate against LGBT. So you can, the government can withhold funds, in this case for energy and water projects, from contractors that contravene um Obama's order on LGBT rights on its face Mm -hmm. that might, that might trickle down and roll down to, okay. um, That might mean that if you're a contractor, if you don't support transgender bathrooms, that you might not get funding. Um, But there was an amendment added added to that Maloney amendment. And then there were two other additional amendments that are tremendous hurdles to get over to say, Hey, um, a vote for that amended Maloney amendment. Um, equals a, a support for transgender bathrooms. What so do you how's mean that by, for a summary, Bob? <laughs> well, you know, it's good. And, and Jack, I, I, this is an impossible task. I mean, how many hours did it take you to write this? So, you know, it. it, it I don't want to. I don't want to blow that horn as much. I mean, it, no, it no, 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 Jack, Jack. I'm because, not doing it for. I'm not doing it for that purpose. What I mean is, the reason yeah. I asked that question is because. To take something that is this lengthy and this in-depth and this complicated or complex and summarize it in a short order is very, very hard to do. It, it, it had yeah. to have taken you hours and hours and days and days to put all of this together and do all of the research that you did. Um, and as a matter of fact, it took me a couple of hours to read it because I had to go back and reread several sections of it to make mm-hmm. sure that it all sunk in. Um, yeah. So it's not going to be easy for you to explain in short order here, so I'm glad you started with the end. And your end result yeah. of this is Bly Stone's effort to kind of smear an AC as being pro-trans bathrooms for some mm-hmm. strange reason, um, it, it fell way short with the, with the with basically is what the evidence bore out. Yes, because now let me, and, and I'll try to get through this very succinctly, you know, the okay. Maloney Amendment, um, it, it tries to put into the law books Obama's executive order that dealt with LGBT rights back then. And if you look at the way that the federal code handled that executive order, it does talk about accommodations, which would include bathrooms. Um, however, before Maloney introduced his amendment, there was uh, a representative from North Carolina that introduced an amendment to the same appropriations bill that said, um, you're not going to withhold funds from North Carolina. Now, that's important because at the time, North Carolina, I believe, was the only state that had a law on the books passed by their general assembly that said you have to use the bathroom that corresponds to your biology at birth. Right. And so the uh, representative from North Carolina obviously knew that Maloney was going to try to reattach an amendment to this bill that he did the week before. And he said, no, hold on. You're not going to punish North Carolina. And so that Renacy voted for that as did the Ohio Republicans and that passed. So the argument that, Maloney's amendment would withhold funds from all states is inaccurate. It, it certainly attempted to, 
um, but North Carolina was exempt. And that's important because at the time, North Carolina was really the only state that I'm aware of that had that law in the books. So when Maloney introduced his amendment, this is really important. Um, there was a representative, um, Pitts, I believe he's from Pennsylvania, Joe Pitts, who amended the Maloney Amendment to state that, yes, that's fine, you can withhold funds if there's LGBT discrimination, but you can't circumvent the First Amendment, religious freedom, the 14th Amendment, equal protection under the law, and Article One of the Constitution, that Congress has the authority to pass laws. And that's really kind of the, the really sticky point in this whole argument. Now, so a vote for the Maloney Amendment is also a vote for um, the Pitts language. And that's what Renacci argues. Now, Blystone's argument is, well, Jim Renacci's trying to cover up a vote. I don't know Jim Renacci's heart on the matter. I know what he told me. He said, I voted for the Maloney Amendment because I don't think that somebody, whether they're transgender or gay, should be hired or fired based on that. But I also believed that the First Amendment, the 14th Amendment, and Article One of the Constitution, that those protections actually circumvented that issue of transgender bathrooms so that the contractor wouldn't be required to be in, in approval of, of that. Um, so that's Renacci's argument. After that amendment passed, there was another amendment added by uh, Representative Byrne that, that specifically highlighted a couple of other things, most notably is the uh, Religious Freedom Act of 1993, and that, by the way, is is pretty critical because that's what the Supreme Court used to hang its hat on in the decision that uh, they said when Obama passed the Affordable Care Act that if you remember the mandate on contraception, people had a problem with it. That's the act that the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do it because it, it, it can absolutely be against somebody's religious freedom. So now here's the problem. We could get into, and this is what took a long time, you can get into a really complex constitutional law argument about, well, wait a minute, does that really mean this and does that really mean that? But the whole point is what I found, and, and I talked with Joe Blystone about this directly, his argument was that Renacci voted for the Maloney Amendment, which is that you, can't, that you can withhold funds from contractors that discriminate, discriminate against LGBT. Well, my point is, you need to give the full scope. You need to talk about danger. You need to talk about pits, and you need to talk about burn. And what you believe about that, that's open for public debate. But the reality is that those things also passed. And to me, it's foolish to say, well, those things don't matter. That, you know, Maloney's amendment was supreme and all of these other, you know, pieces that were, that were nailed onto it or tacked onto it wouldn't have changed the impact of Maloney. Okay, you can believe that. But I think it I think it does a disservice to the public if you don't talk about the fact that those things were also passed. We're talking to Jack Windsor. He is the uh exec or the editor in chief rather and the founder of the Ohio Press Network. This article is up now at the Ohio Press Network website. It is phenomenal. I also put it on my webpage, alwayswrite.us, so that you can access it. It takes a while to read because you have to absorb a lot of the language and a lot of the amendments to the amendments. Sometimes you gotta go back up and say, wait a minute, what was this one again? And then you go back. But at the end of the day, what you just said I think is the most important thing. You even talked to Joe Blystone and said to just say that he voted for the Maloney Amendment to support uh, 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 LGBTQ is is wrong because what he did do and 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 he acknowledges this Jim Renacci does that uh, he he voted to make sure that people can't be hired or fired based on their sexual orientation or their status in, as a as a as a member of LGBTQ groups 
which, of course, should be protected and is protected, I believe, under the Civil Rights Act. So he didn't do anything there that was breaking new ground to suggest that it means he thinks LBGTQ, because of North Carolina, can go to the bathroom of their choice and potentially endanger uh, girls or women. Um, it, it just It's just not there. And that's what I told him. I told him that when I talked to him on the air. I told him uh, off the air when he promised me he'd send me proof. And they sent me their version of the story and said, there's your proof, and tried to tell me what to say on the radio about it. Jack, did they do that to you? Did they try to tell you what to write? And what has been the reaction? <laughs> well, you're laughing. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so uh, there, there was some lively exchange back and forth, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, particularly on the matter of, uh, and, and this is a good point, and I want to bring. Actually, I want to bring up two really salient points. Number one, Marshall Usher, who is um, Joe Blystone's policy advisor, told me that Renee is the only Ohio Republican who voted for the amendment, including Jim Jordan. So either he knew something that the other Republicans didn't, or Renee didn't understand what they knew. Okay, touche. Now Renee addresses that, but I think if there's a an argument that you want to pick at. If there's if there's a story that rolls down from this one, it's okay. Why don't you know? Let's let's talk to the Republican delegation at that time and and let's get their input. Do they remember it? It's almost six years ago. Maybe they do. Um, I did attempt to reach out to Jim Jordan's camp and and find out. Okay, why did you vote against uh, the amended Maloney Amendment? And and what do you think about Renee voting for it? Uh, they didn't get back in time um, for the story. But, you know, the, here's the other part that I will say. Yes, I did get pressure. Um, and frankly, I've, uh, you know, perturbed, I think, both camps uh, with the release of this story, which I'm okay with. As I put at the end of the story, this isn't about uh, me promoting Joe Blystone. This isn't about the Ohio Press Network promoting Jim Renacy. It's about giving the issue, I think, the full scope that it deserves. And what people do with this information is really up to them. I do want to note in talking with Joe Blystone, he's a very passionate man, and I respect that. I am too. Um, we both have probably enough piss and vinegar to you know cover the entire state of Ohio. But um, I don't believe, it, do I believe that he was being deceptive in, in how he rolled this out? I don't know. You know, some people have asked me that. Do you think he was trying to be deceptive? I would say that it's a pretty complex policy issue, and maybe he was leaning on, you know, some interpretations that he didn't fully understand. And, and I think that's important to consider as well. But now, that you know, the issue is out there for public discussion. How do both people react to it, and what do they do with it? It'll be interesting to see. You know, Jack, um, the pressure that you talked about is important to me because, again, they tried to tell me the te- the morning after I talked to Blystone and they knew I was going to talk to his former campaign manager, Sarah Chambers, who uh, referred him and uh, filed a complaint against him, a 51-page complaint of all kinds of campaign violations related to finance. Uh, I was going to talk to her and then Renacy the next day. I got a text the next morning and saying, there, we gave you all of the information you needed. A curious journalist would ask this, 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 and this, and say this, 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 and this. The fact that they're trying to control media narratives is very troubling to me, particularly since he is running as a an unabashed conservative, a conservative who believes in freedom of press and who believes in uh, free speech, who is trying to control the press into manip- and manipulate the press, both 
broadcast, in my case, and print in your case by telling us what to say. And then if they don't get the uh, the coverage that they wish, then degrade us and to go on online yeah. and attack. They attacked me, called me fake news, called me not a real journalist or whatever. Uh, all of that stuff, uh, Jack Windsor, is very troubling to me. And I hope Ohio yeah. voters, Ohio Republican voters in the primary take note of this kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's really troubling to me. Um, I call it intellectual laziness. If, if, you know, you have to resort to name calling. And to be frank, you know, I get fired up too. Personally, sometimes I probably let things out that I shouldn't. Um, but when we're talking about publishing articles and uh, the things of that nature, you know, we, we really try hard to make sure we keep it about the issue and not about the person. Um, it is really discouraging. You know, we have to learn to live in this tension between two opposite poles, right? And we have to be able to engage in, in dialogue in a, in a civil manner. And if you can't do that, the problem is that that sword has two edges, right? So one of the things we'll talk about tonight is um, the First Amendment and why it's so important for people to be able to protect their intellectual liberties, which is really what the free press is about, because without intellectual liberty, you can't have political liberty. So when I say that that sword has two edges, you know, we get we get perturbed when we see what's going on in Russia and we get perturbed when, you know, Mike DeWine doesn't allow me to ask questions at a press conference or Bob Paducek shuts uh, the Ohio Star, the Ohio Press Network and Dwayne Pullman out of a state central committee meeting. But, you know, if you're using the same vitriol and reaction to criticize, condemn and complain about people who question your motives or your position on a stance, I, I think you're, you're wielding the same sword. And at the end of the day, you hit it. Um, you can be really upset with DeWine and Paducek and China and, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. But at the same time, you got to get real honest with yourself and go, hey, am I doing the same thing? Am I creating the same type of cancel culture environment by my reaction to something that I don't agree with? And and that's where I, you know, it, Bob, I, I think how they treated you was, was out of bounds. I think it was out of... Uh, I just think it was out of of an emotional response, and it really is too bad. Well, it was, and that's the reason I didn't go back on the air and come right back at them. I should have, and I could have, but I did not because I know it's emotional, and quite frankly, it tells me a lot about what I... Uh, what I think I needed to know about some of the candidates in this race. And uh, and it helps me make up my mind, and uh, and I'm sure it will help other people do the same. Jack, since you brought it up, and we're just going to take this to the bottom of the hour here, since you brought it up, um, you know, being uh, kicked out or banned from covering the uh, uh, the state central committee meeting in which they endorsed Mike DeWine, uh, Bob Paducek, the strong man uh, who's in charge of the Ohio Republican Party, de- defamed you, called you, not, uh, in fact, all three, you, the star, and Dwayne Pullman, called you all fake journalists and not real news, uh, or fake news and not real journalists, I think is the actual wording. Um, and that's going to be the subject of tonight's presentation, right? Do you want to give us any more on that uh, uh, tonight when we talk uh, on Citizens for Free Speech at our webinar? Yeah, so, you know, we're just going to talk a little bit about why it's so important, like I said, to have um, intellectual liberty. Because if you don't get the information that you need on people, policies, and politics, policy decisions, you can't make a good decision when you pull the lever. Um, and so it's it's really critically important that um, whether it's Mike DeWine or Bob Paducek or Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, we have to be able to treat people with the respect they deserve. And that includes believing and trusting that whatever information they get 
that they're mature enough to disseminate what's, or excuse me, to, to, um, have discretion and understand, you know, what's true, what applies. Um, and, and we've seen to have a lot in, in this country. And, you know, you talked about the state central committee meeting. Um, it, it, Bob Paducek has used the same tactic that Mike DeWine has used. You know, Mike DeWine, uh, when he didn't want to renew my press credentials, it was because we, you know, didn't rise to whatever criteria that, uh, which he didn't really put in writing. Um, so we weren't, we didn't have a big enough reach. Well, mm-hmm. when Bob Paducek kicked, not to kick us out, but barred us from the meeting, um, it was really kind of the same thing. Actually, Paducek told um, one of the state central committee members that there wasn't a policy. There was, there weren't guidelines that, that we were violating. It's just that he didn't know who we were, who was funding us, and he just thought that we were, you know, nefarious and trying to destroy the Republican Party. That's dangerous. Um, yes, that's extremely is. dangerous. And that's the kind of stuff that um, we need to be railing against. Um, you know, Bob threw me under the bus, and I'm okay with that. But, you know, he talked about Dwayne Pullman. And state central committee members talked about Dwayne Pullman among themselves in internal communications and you know, called him a lot of really bad and nefarious things. But when you look at Dwayne Pullman's career, for example, I mean, the guy has won over 300 awards as a journalist. He's been is, named. Is he, isn't he like an eight time Emmy award winner for local, uh, uh, broadcast, uh, 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 journalism, I should say. I think it's like an eight time yeah, Emmy he, award winner he, for broadcast journalism. He's won, he's won an Emmy. Um, he's an investigative reporter for Sinclair broadcast group. Um, he's actually co-founder of Ohio center for journalism. I on Ohio. And he serves as the national chair of the Professional Standards and Ethics Committee at the Society of Professional Journalists. So he's fake to news say that he's unqualified, <laughs> pardon? I just said, but to, but he's fake news, according to Bob Paducek. Uh, he, he's not a real right. journalist, and he has no business covering this thing. Jack, I, I've got to run here. I want to hear more yeah. about what you're talking about right now. This is the importance of this meeting tonight, the webinar that we are holding. Jack Windsor will present. He'll tell you more about what he was just talking about in the importance of freedom of the press as well as the rest of the First Amendment tenets that we all treasure so dearly. If you want to be a part of this, register at citizensforfreespeech.org slash Ohio. citizensforfreespeech.org slash Ohio. That's where you go, so you can register for tonight's CFFS webinar. It starts at 7.30 p.m. I will host it. Jack will present. We'll have Q&A at the end so that everybody can ask Jack more about these very important issues. Jack Windsor, Ohio Press Network, thank you, sir. We appreciate your time and your effort. We'll talk to you tonight. It's always an honor. Thanks, Bob. Thank thank you, Jack. It's 11.30. We've got to get out. We'll come back in right after this. AM 1420, The Answer. Ukrainian forces getting stronger in holding the lines, or are the Russians starting to make stronger advances into your cities? No. I can tell you for sure we're growing stronger. I can tell you why. We are fighting for our land. They don't know what we, what they are fighting for, and we are fighting for our land. They will lie to All Russian military forces were lied to when they were going to attack us, you see. Many of them complain that they are just conscripts, that they thought they are going to, to train. But I think it's all life. There are many professional war fighters that were in Syria, that were in Donbass, 
So they now come in here and destroy our cities. They were prepared for this, but not too well. So we can manage this. Welcome back to Always Right with Bob Fratz on AM 1420. The answer. Yeah, we got you for about another uh, eight minutes here, and uh, that was that was a Ukrainian fighter, a soldier, who we spoke with by phone from Ukraine in the first hour of this broadcast. They they believe they truly believe they can win. They believe they will defeat Vladimir Putin's forces on the ground as long as there is some sort of air support, or rather a no-fly zone to stop the air campaign that is being waged by Putin against not just military but civilian targets as well. It was a very emotional and very um, inspirational, I think, uh, interview. If you missed it, check it out on our podcast page, which I have linked at. Uh, uh, a, uh, alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. Check it out there and uh, tell me what you think. By the way, don't forget to use the um, sound off button. That's the best way to do that. If you listen to an interview, just click the sound off button in the upper right-hand corner, put in your name and your email address, and then record your message and send it to me. I will play them on the radio. Not enough people know that button is there. Make sure you make good use of it. Let's go to Vince in Westlake. Vince, go ahead. You're on the air, sir. Good morning, Bob. Thanks, as always, for taking my call. Good morning, Vince. <clears throat> um, going right back to uh, your one of your earlier comments about um, the left-wing attacking Tucker Carlson and uh, Gabby Tulsi. And, and don't you find it interesting, Gabby, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Tul- Tul- Tulsi Gabbard, there you go. You got it. Tulsi Gabbard, yeah. Sorry about that. I had it backwards. Tulsi Gabbard is a, uh, is a Democrat. She still you know, professes herself to be a strong Democrat, and yet she's got some very central-leaning points um, that make a lot of sense. And don't you find it interesting that as soon as someone like that starts going against what the left-wing narrative is, they come out guns blazing and attack her like they're attacking Tucker Carlson. And as you said, to your point, it's funny you mentioned this, that you know they accuse you that of which they are profoundly guilty of themselves. And this is, this is just the flame-throwing techniques of the left wing that uh, you and I both have seen for years. This is nothing new. It, it, it's they, they come out and it's just, I call it flame throwing. And it's just, and that's just what they do because they don't want anybody to go against what they say. Yeah. And, and to their credit, to their credit, they're very good at it. They they get away with yeah, it. Yes, you are. know, I mean, they, they do. Are. They, they accuse us of things that they themselves are doing and, and they have no, they just do not even need to answer the questions of hypocrisy because there's nobody left to ask them. You know, when you talk about, you know, every Ukrainian is fighting with every gun that they can find here, they're saying disarm America. Uh, make sure that, uh, you know, the second Correct. amendment, second yep. amendment should be altered. You're not allowed to have weapons. Uh, certainly not high caliber weapons, certainly not quote unquote semi automatic weapons, but now they're cheering the people of Ukraine and saying we've got to do more all because this helps their cause domestically the more we pay attention to what's going on over there the more we ignore what is going on over here and that is something that i think is is intentional well and this is this is the thing that you know my, my, my final comment is where are our republican leaders at where are, are the people on the conservative side of this well not the conservative side because we know conservatives like you like myself we do stand up and decry it but the people that are in office the republicans that are in office that hold positions of power they can stand up and tell people like joy reed and you know, all these other crazy idiots that are, are just they're just out of their minds, as far as I'm concerned. I really believe that. I really believe there's just seriously something wrong with them, with the flame-throwing techniques. But where are Republican senators, congressmen, leaders that are standing up and saying, enough of this? 
people are you know what? You're, you're, you're spot on. Uh, and I think there are a lot of them who are saying it, but they're just being drowned out by the rest of the noise. I mean, Marco Rubio is among them who has spoken out uh, very strongly against this. And, uh, and, and there are several others, too. But many of them just, and thank you for the call, Vince. I got a jet here. Many of the, uh, the strong Republicans who want to say the things they are are saying it, but they're just not getting any coverage. You know, how, Fox News can only put so many people on the air at a time, you know, along with Newsmax or One American News and so forth. But um, it's, uh, it's difficult for them to be heard. Um, Charlie in Westlake. Charlie, go ahead. You're on the air, sir. Hey, Bob. Thanks for the call. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing how your show can reach around the world. I just think it's it's just great how radio works. Um, over the weekend, or yesterday even, Putin came out and said that he plans on getting Alaska. I think that changes some of our, it will change our, uh, how personal this is becoming. This war is not just about the Ukraine. We have to, you know, counter his, his ambition. But I was listening to Portman right after the speech mm-hmm. today of Zelensky's speech, and he said, uh, that we've got to consider these soldiers war criminals. And I go, no, you don't want to start saying they're war criminals now during a war. They're going to fight differently. They're going to fight to keep out of prison we don't want to call maybe putin's a war criminal yes but not the soldiers we can't call them war criminals openly in this well well that depends that depends on whether or not they're committing war crimes uh from what um from what casper told me that he personally witnessed there you know in the on the battlefield if you will the city streets that have become a battlefield he witnessed a tank target an, an individual ukrainian citizen an older citizen with his hands in the air who wasn't fighting who wasn't shooting or anything else and shot him with the tank um that's a war crime that's a war well, crime. That's not, you know, that's a criminal. civilian. Absolutely, they're war crime, but we can't publicly, a, a, a U.S. senator from Ohio standing up and saying these soldiers are committing war crimes, not during the war. That's a bad strategy because they will fight differently. They'll fight to defend themselves from ever going to prison. They'll become more atrocious. We well, just I don't, I don't know how much out. more, I don't know how much more atrocious you get though than shooting a, shooting an individual with a, with a tank gun. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't, and and I'll and I'll say this, and thank you for the call. If if calling the Russians war criminals for committing war crimes makes them more vicious than than what they're already doing, um, then we have a lot deeper issue here on our hands than we think we do. Um, I, I don't think I don't think anybody would dispute or debate. As a matter of fact, a Russian captured soldier told the press from his. Uh, uh, holding facility in Ukraine that he, his fellow uh, fellow Russian soldiers were committing genocide. They were lied to when they to- were, were told what they were going over there to do, and they're committing genocide. That is a war crime, and they're acknowledging it. I don't think it's okay, or it's anything wrong with us acknowledging it, too. Thanks, everyone. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.